The Sacramento Kings have made the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. What can we expect from them? From De'Aaron Fox to Monta Sabonis and more. We'll talk about all that today. Welcome into the Lockdown NBA Playoff Preview. I'm Nick Engstead of Lockdown NBA. I'm joined by Matt George of the Lockdown Kings Podcast to give you everything you need to know about the Sacramento Kings going into the postseason, Matt. I haven't, I haven't dropped any drops for anybody, but if I'm going to do it for anybody... I'm going to do it for you. Um, the off the court, just the the like the like beam itself, the nuance of the beam, I guess, has been the big story, I guess, how great of a marketing scheme that's been. But what's the biggest on-court story for the Sacramento Kings team? I mean, it's the greatest offense uh, the NBA has ever seen historically. I mean, this, this offense is so dynamic. They can beat you in so many different ways. Now, of course, it all runs through De'Aaron Fox and Devonta Sabonis specifically and their presence on the floor, not just w- what they bring in their own statistical columns with, with their scoring and their assisting and their rebounds, but how they open up the floor for everybody else and how everybody else contributes uh, and, and, and builds off of them. It's not just Fox and Sabonis that you have to worry about. There are so many players on this roster that are capable of going off offensively at any given time. You could have Kevin Herter that could light you up for 15 points in a quarter. Keegan Murray is the best shooting rookie uh, in NBA history. Malik Monk is a six-man off the bench that can not just score himself, but can get his teammates involved. You have Davion Mitchell off the bench and when you need that hard-nosed defensive presence that the Sacramento Kings basically as a team as a whole uh, uh, consistently lack. And then even guys like Trey Lyles have stepped up. Terrence Davis, who probably won't play much uh, during the uh, during the the playoffs. He uh, went off for over thirty points on national television. Like consistently, the Sacramento Kings beat you with five to seven guys and double figures in the scoring column. It's such a dynamic, such a fluid offense that can attack you at any given time. To where even if you're focusing your attention on shutting one guy down, like a De'Aaron Fox, he can he can play a game where he scores less than twenty points. Demontis Sabonis could also score less than twenty points, and the Kings as a team are cracking one thirty just because their offense is that dynamic. You talked about. Uh... De'Aaron Fox, Tomas Bonus, that obviously starts with them. And then some of the end of the bench guys. Give me the playoff rotation. Who are the starting five that we're expecting? A couple of guys maybe you're, you you know for sure are going to play off the bench. And then those on the bubble guys, the Terrence Davises and, and guys like that. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if Mike goes with an eight or nine man rotation. Uh, he's he's dappled with 10 a little bit too. And that's something that he said he's worked on as a coach is expanding his rotation. But in the playoffs, especially against the defending champion Warriors, I don't know how deep in that rotation he's going to go. The starting five is established. Really, the top seven is already established. It's Fox, Sabonis, uh, Herter. Um, Murray and Harrison Barnes is your starting five, which with your main cogs off the bench being uh, Malik Monk, um, Davion Mitchell and Trey Lyles at this point. Now, guy number nine, guy number 10, uh, you could throw Kessler Edwards into the mix. He's really stepped into a um, wing defender defensive length role that Mike Brown really likes uh, and has actually not been a horrible three-point shooter, decent enough to space the floor, but no one offensively that anybody should really worry about. And then Alex Len has suddenly carved out this backup big, backup center role that he provides some solid screen setting, a little bit of rim protection, not necessarily a great shot blocker, but someone that can at least change shots in and around the paint and provides a physical presence to where he can get active on the glass as well. Uh, so we don't know how deep Mike Brown's rotation is going to be, but the, the the top seven absolutely will be established. Maximum top eight will be established. Then you have some flyers, some wild cards, guys like I mentioned earlier, Terrence Davis could also sneak in in, in uh, different situations when the Kings need a little bit of offense. So Mike has uh, uh, his confidence in his full roster that they'll be ready, that he can go to at any time, but I don't know if he's really going to go to them. 
What are the biggest strengths and weaknesses of this team? You mentioned the high-powered offense. Definitely definitely a strength. But how have they won games, and how have they lost games this season? The Sacramento Kings have won games by allowing De'Aaron Fox in particular to coast isn't necessarily the right word because it has a negative connotation to it. De'Aaron Fox is playing hard and doing his best to help the team through the first three quarters consistently, but he doesn't have to be the guy all the time to where by the time it gets to the fourth quarter, he's gassed and he's cooked and he's, he's put up 40 points. Now he's capable of doing that. And the Kings might need him to do that in a game or two uh, during the playoffs, or maybe DeMontis Sabonis is that guy at times, but the Kings can stay close or even build a lead through three quarters where De'Aaron Fox goes into the fourth quarter with just 11 points. And then he'll end the game with 30 and the Kings will win by five because he can take over in that fourth quarter. So the Kings, uh, their offense is so good. It's so historically good to where they can have a game like they had the other night uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves in Sacramento, where they made five three-pointers as a team, and they still scored nearly 130 points. Like, they're just, there's so much Mm. offensive firepower. They're also one of the best teams in the league in terms of two-point field goal percentage, their mid-range shooting, uh, their ability to attack the basket. so it's not just that the offense is historically good and they can put up a lot of points on you in a hurry. It's there's so many levels and layers to how they can beat you. You force them in the half court, they'll beat you there. You let them go in transition, they'll beat you there. Um, offensively, the Kings just pack a lot of issues for anyone to try and game plan for. You basically just have to pick your poison. Uh what are the expectations for this team? Because if I go to FanDuel and I look at the conference winners, like the odds to win the West, basically. Suns, Warriors, Nuggets, Grizzlies, Lakers, Clippers, and then the Kings, plus 1,800 to win the West. Let's do let's do three-tiered here. What are the expectations from fans this season, from the team itself? What do they expect to do? And then what do you expect them to do in this postseason? That's great. Uh, I like the tiers. I'll start with the team because the team, Mike Brown has been trying to establish championship tendencies from day one. So this team is going into this playoffs like they're not happy to be here. They know they're supposed to be here. They believe they're going to be here all along. The only people not surprised that they got this far are them, essentially. So they're coming in with the expectation that they're going to make a super deep run and that why why can't they be Western Conference Finals, uh, Western Conference Champions? Why can't they be NBA Champions? Now, I certainly, for me, wouldn't put myself in a position to necessarily expect that uh, by any means, which I, I think is fair. Like, I, I think for me... Uh, and uh, maybe the fans are kind of the same way. The expectation uh, expectations have gotten a little more significant with the Kings securing the third seed and securing home court advantage. Right when you when you finish as a top seed, the expectations are that you at least win a series. So even with the defending champions, I understand fans who go, no, like the the Kings got to win this series for me to feel good about their season. I understand that completely. For me, my expectation basically falls on show me something that makes me believe that you you truly belong here, right? Is De'Aaron Fox that guy? Does he take that step that I've expected him to take? Does DeMontis Sabonis look like the perfect Robin to, to De'Aaron's Batman? Is the supporting cast as good as we think, right? Do the Sacramento Kings, even if they're eliminated by the Warriors in six or seven games in the first round, does it clearly look like they belong and they have something here that they can build off of next year? Or do we have clear indicators of, Monty McNair, Kings GM, this is what you need to work on. Or this guy isn't that guy. Or this guy definitely is that guy, right? We're going into uncharted territory for the Sacramento Kings, which is both exciting and terrifying because we don't know what's real and what's not. So my expectations for these playoffs are to get answers to those questions. The Kings are a one-point favorite in game one, which is a home game, a Sacramento Kings playoff home game, which is just exciting in and of itself. 
But the Kings are not the favorite, according to FanDuel, to win the series against the Golden State Warriors. What would they have to do to make that plus 215 worth it for somebody that wants to bet against the spread and uh, and bet for the Kings to beat the Warriors in the first round? Well, they have to have success on their home floor. Like, that's the reality. Is the, the Kings have been better this season on the road than they've been at home, and the Golden State Warriors have been dreadful on the road and incredible at home. So... I give the Kings a, a good chance of winning maybe one road game in Golden State. And hopefully it's a it's a game where they're clinching a series and not a game that they have to have to get back into a series. The Kings need to defend their home floor. But the Kings can beat the Warriors at their own game. And what I mean by that is the Kings, if the Kings and Warriors want to go into a shootout, the Kings can more than handle the Warriors shootout. The Warriors can put up a 55-point first quarter like they did the other night against the Portland Trailblazers, and the Kings will put up a 43-point quarter. And yes, the Warriors made history, but the Kings are still right behind them in striking distance. Like it's hard to pull away from Sacramento's offense. Defensively, you know that you can go at them and and get big buckets when you need to, but can you stop them on the other end? So the Kings, two things, they need to win on their home floor and really defend that home court advantage. Even if there's a question of how much of an advantage it's going to be with warrior fans being in the golden one center newsflash people in Sacramento also have cars so they can also drive and be in the chase center too. It's not just warrior fans that can come to Sacramento. We're allowed outside of our city. We can go to the Bay area too, for games like that. And I know Kings fans are already buying tickets to, to have a presence in warrior land as well. It's not just that it's like, if the Kings, the Kings truly control their own destiny. I don't think there's anything that the Warriors defensively can do to stop the Kings offense as much as they can stop themselves simply by missing shots. So if the Kings aren't hitting shots, like it's on you step up in the moment. You got to hit those shots. It's a big stage. No one's going to feel sorry for you. Hit your shots or you're probably going to lose. So, and that's, I don't think that's disrespectful to the Warriors at all. The reality is Kings, you control your destiny. If this is how good you are offensively, if you want to come into the offs or the, uh, the playoffs, as the best offense in NBA history, you have to play like that in the playoffs too, or you don't have much of a chance. Stepping up as one of the best podcasters in in podcast history, Matt George, Locked on Kings. Go listen to him uh, five days a week on the Daily Locked on Kings show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, everybody, thanks so much for hanging out with us on the Locked on NBA playoff preview.